God's Love Language, a podcast designed for Christian discipleship with emphasis on developing our relationship and fellowship with God. Now, here is our host, Joe Enlow. You're so kind. Greetings. Welcome back to God's Love Language with Joe Inlow. I am Joe, and I am honored that you are taking some of your precious time today to listen to my podcast. This is a discipleship class for believers all over the world. And with that, I had an idea. Yes, that kind of idea. Anyway, today I am going to start something new. Starting today and at the beginning of all future episodes, I will say hello to those of you listening in a particular city, state, and country. I want to start by saying hello to my listeners in Germany, specifically Frankfurt am Main, Hessen. Guten Tag from San Antonio, and thank you for listening to my podcast. If you listen to episode one, then you know I was stationed in Frankfurt from 1979 through 1982 at what used to be the 97th General Hospital. I enjoyed my years there, made some good friends, and I even tried to return to Germany in the early 1990s, but the U.S. Army had other plans for me. If my listeners in Frankfurt would be so kind as to send me an email at jinlow at godslovelanguage.com saying say hello to me, I promise to respond, and I promise not to add you to an email list. Thank you. Now, if if you're just tuning in for the first time, or it has been a while, we are in the second episode of our series on the topic of the individual from my notes on my book, God's Purpose for the Family. The individual is the first of five relationships or creations of humans in the Bible. Last month, we began this series with episode 21. So take some time to listen to that episode first and then return to this one. Of course, all my episodes have been building up to this point. So if you get a chance, go back and listen to them too. Why start here? Why start with the individual? As I have pointed out, the individual with God was the first relationship in the history of mankind. God did not create Adam and Eve at the same time. Adam before his split, had one-on-one fellowship and relationship with God, and it was a great time of growth for Adam. What an opportunity. I believe most Christians would love to have face-to-face time with God, wouldn't you? The idea is this. All relationship and fellowship success on earth will mirror your relationship and fellowship success with God. If you are loving him with all your heart, mind, and soul, hearing his voice, bringing glory to him by the way you are living, then those keys, that discipline and commitment to your relationship with God will carry over into your human relationships. Navigating the stress and confusion of human relationships will fail in comparison to what it takes to stay committed to God. You know how that goes. You know how hard it is sometimes. So when you become successful in your relationship with God, all the keys and understanding it took to get there will be applicable to your human relationships. You will treat and love others the way you want to be treated and loved. And that, my friends, is 90% of all relationship success. 
Your relationship with God is also the foundation of servant leadership, and in my opinion, is a key ingredient to a successful marriage. But more on that when we get to the second relationship, marriage. As with Adam and Eve, the problems that arise in all relationships have to do with your free will, taking your eyes off the one that deserves your full devotion and giving it to yourself or to someone else. No one else deserves to be the primary object of your love and attention more than God. No one, not even a close spouse. We think because we are here on earth that our life here deserves more attention and effort than loving and obeying the one that put us here. Well, that is our mistake. We must put God first, obey his instruction book, the Bible, learn to overcome the pull of sin, and learn to overcome our will. Check out all the stories and difficulties in the Bible and the history of the world, for that matter. They all fail to truly keep God number one. No ifs, ands, or buts. So success in the other four basic relationships, couple, parent, child, and sibling, begins and depend on your relationship with God as an individual. That is why we start with the individual relationship with God, your relationship with God. Your short time on earth is a training ground, learning to hear God's voice, learning to do his will, and bringing glory to him. It is, it's all learned here, not in heaven. Only heavenly beings learn to do that in heaven. Besides, the new city of God, the new Jerusalem, will come down here, not stay in heaven. Now, remember... In a perfect world, you would have been taught all this as you grew up, learning from your parents and having interactions with your siblings or other substitutionary relationships. Your parents and the other primary caregivers would have taught you and demonstrated to you how to have a successful relationship with God and how to keep God number one in your life. It would have been easier to grasp learning these things early on Remember how I taught you in episode four, the biology of belief, that most of your basic beliefs, your subconscious guides are developed by the time you are six years old. That is why most children learn a foreign language better if taught at an early age. Most learning patterns are not set at that age. That is why the Bible tells you to bring up a child in the way of the Lord and the way that they should go. But don't lose heart. You can still renew your mind if you are beginning your walk with God at an older age. Who we are in Christ. All right. Prior to salvation, sin controlled us, and we had no option but to obey. Sins caused our other sins. Now we identify with Christ. We were baptized into his death, so much so that we identify with that death and burial. And we also identify with him and his resurrection. Therefore, we overcome that sin nature. We do not have to respond to the sin nature in us. We now have identity with Jesus in his resurrection. Old sin nature is nailed on the cross, no longer a slave to sin. It has been rendered inoperable. Don't play with a dead dog, which is sin. All sin has been paid for. To overcome sin nature, go back and learn who you are in Jesus Christ. Know who you are. Consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Jesus. The death of Jesus defanged 
the power of sin. Only we can give sin power now. Therefore, give it no power and make it dead. All it takes is for you to appropriate the victory that Jesus won. It must be done so by your free will. God will not automatically change you. That's not the way it works. Your will must give way to God's will. You must speak God's love language, which is obedience. Present yourselves as a living sacrifice to God as his instrument of righteousness. Now, you know all those stories in the Bible. God did it. Make those Moses. He didn't make Adam and Eve do this. All the heroes of the Bible didn't make them. They chose to follow God and obey God. So do you. All right. Here is a battle plan I found, and I have expanded a little bit. I also have other episodes out there to change your sin nature, to help you. Check them out. How to confront sin nature. Number one, know your sin pattern. Whether you know it or not, your sinful lifestyle will keep you doing the things that support a sinful life, just as a righteous lifestyle pattern will guide you towards a Christ-like pattern. Every day you must choose to serve God not sin or yourself. At first, it's going to be hard. But the more you practice surrendering yourself to God's will, the easier it will get and the more it will change you. Feed the Christ-like self and starve the sinful self. Number two, prepare for sin in advance. If your job throws temptation in your path, or the things you do with your friends will lead to sin, plan for these situations and be true to your convictions and godly choices. It takes time to clean your sinful house and put things in order. In other words, your conscience has been seared and deadened with years of sinful choices and ungodly thinking. It will take some time to get that junk out of there. It takes perseverance and prayer to overcome. Remember the parable of the sower and don't become one of those first seeds that were planted and then died off. Seek to avoid sin situations whenever possible. Walk away from it. Don't go play with the dead dog. Those old neural pathways, they don't just disappear. New ones do take over and develop and become the primary way that you now think and act. But the fact is, the old ones kind of lie dormant. They're still there, waiting and haunting your new lifestyle, hoping to entice you back to where you once were comfortable. You thought you felt comfortable. The stronger you become in the godly lifestyle, the easier it is to Take your thoughts captive and grow in God. Number three, make prayer a habitual part of battle. The fact is, you cannot change by yourself. It's impossible. God sends the Holy Spirit to us as he did with Jesus. With God, nothing is impossible. Pray continually. That means you're thinking in your head. You know, you're not necessarily getting down on your knees, even in your thoughts. You're just talking to God. You're praying. You're asking him to guide you and so forth. Do it continually, both out loud and in your mind. God knows your thoughts and hears your prayers. He hears those prayers from your spirit inside. He also knows the desires of your heart. I get blown away sometimes how God answers my unspoken prayers, things that I... 
uh, only talked with God about in my spirit, my inner voice, and <laughs> next thing you know, they're coming to fruition. Number four, read and memorize Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. Yes, this section of scripture is about putting on the full armor of God. Remember, our struggle is not against flesh and blood enemies, but against spiritual forces of evil that will trick and fool you from within, hoping to wear you down mentally. Know who you are in Christ. Consider yourself dead to sin. It has no authority, and present yourself to God as his instrument to righteousness. Number five, focus is on the things of the Spirit. Galatians 5, 13 through 26. Set your sight on the things of the Spirit. The Spirit brings life. Led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. We receive the Spirit of adoption. We call Abba, Father. Not my will, but yours be done. This will defeat the flesh. It's ultimately not about me or you. Life is with the Father of the universe. When we focus on the Spirit, we become like Jesus. One character trait after another. Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. The Holy Spirit defeats the flesh. Surround yourselves with like-minded people. Join a home group. Volunteer at church. Just remember, people, that other people in a church are also growing. Don't let someone's failure make you down about the church experience. Always remember to show love, grace, and mercy. Show what you expect other people to do for you. Joe, why is the Holy Spirit so important? Why is he called holy? Let's spend a little time talking about the Holy Spirit. To be successful as a Christian, measured by by how Christ-like you become here on earth, that's how we measure being successful as a Christian, you will need the Holy Spirit. I have given you a lot of advice on how to change your behavior today and in past episodes, but the truth is any changes you make will only be temporal if the Holy Spirit is not involved in the true changing of your behavior. He is the third member of the Trinity. The Spirit convicts us of our sin and guides us into truth. Only through the Spirit do you become Christ-like. The Holy Spirit is given to believers in Jesus Christ the moment we believe. God gives us himself through the gift of the Holy Spirit living in us. However, You only grow in the Spirit by asking for His help and allowing Him to guide you. It is the Holy Spirit that reveals the truths and glory of the Word of God. Jesus sent Him to us after He left the earth. See the book of Acts. But He will not flourish where He is not welcome. As a Christian, your body should become a temple for the Holy Spirit so that He will feel welcome in your life. Galatians 5, 16 through 26 talks about learning to walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You are walking in what the Spirit tells you to. Remember my saying, you can't feel bad if you feel good, or you, when you're feeling good, you can't feel bad. It's kind of the same way. When the Spirit's there, the nastiness can't come in. You are walking in what the Spirit tells you to. We yield to the Spirit to defeat the flesh. 
Contrast the lists of walking in the flesh with walking in the Spirit in Galatians 5, 19-23. The fruits of the Spirit are the characters of Christ. Continually walking in the Spirit makes the fruits of the Spirit become evident in our life. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. Is my walk producing the works of the flesh or the fruits of the Spirit? It's God telling me, where to go and what to do. Therefore, the Holy Spirit is called holy. Our life made holy by our life is made holy by him. He leads us in holy living by the life of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit labors to mold a holy church, a church that sees itself as united by the Holy Spirit through Christ. Walk in the greatest power ever known on the face of the earth, the power of the Holy Spirit. Remember, there were no recorded miracles that Jesus did on earth until after he was baptized by John and the Holy Spirit came upon him. Yes, if he would have been acting as God, he could have done anything. But Jesus was acting as a man, and so he needed the gift of the Holy Spirit to dominate as a man. He had to demonstrate that we too could be overcomers on earth through the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay, we have reached the end of this episode. Next time, I will discuss the pillars of worship and prayer, and then I will begin to teach you how you can learn from the roles of the offices of the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Now, hold that button. Do not hear what I am not saying. I will not debate whether the offices of apostle and prophet still exist. But I will teach you next, next month and the following months, I will teach you how the roles and attributes of all five of those offices have something to offer every Christian. And as I will discuss when I get to the couple and then the parent relationship, you will need to practice some of these roles in the process of making a marriage work and raising your children. That does not mean you need to be an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, or teacher. It just means you need to know some of the attributes or characteristics of each gifting or office to effectively communicate as a Christian to your spouse and to your children, and basically all of your relationships for that matter, in a Christ-like manner. Through the offices of the fivefold ministry, as we're called, uh, we call them, and their characteristics, I will teach you how they handled hardships, remained focused, what you should be learning as you grow, how to handle increased responsibility as a Christian, staying grounded as a Christian, how to have a successful marriage, and rules of engagement as spouses, parents, and siblings. Everything I teach you will lead to advance the kingdom, bring glory to God, and find our purpose here on earth. Who knows, you might just discover your gifting along the way. Until then, may God bless you and keep you. May he lead you into all wisdom, knowledge, and understanding of his word and plan for humanity. God bless you. Thank you for listening to today's teaching. 
If you would like more information about our podcast and subject matter, or if you would like to leave a comment, go to GodsLoveLanguage.com. Or you may email Joe at jnlo at GodsLoveLanguage.com. 